TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys and a Mic show, TalkZone.com. It's a beautiful Thursday here, fine city of Chicago. The coach and the big dog at your service right up until 11 o'clock talking sports and more. Your place on the Internet to come for scintillating, if not entertaining, sports talk. Big dog, I want to welcome him in. He's calling in via the uh, telecommunicative phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois. He is my good friend, the co-host, Joel Redwanski. Big dog, how are you? Uh, doing pretty well, coach. I'm having issues with Skype. I know that doesn't mean anything to you, but... Uh, everybody else in the technological world that means for some reason I can't log on right now. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate because yesterday when people uh, were able to log on to the show, they actually got to see video of you from your uh, your commode, if you will. Um, well, I don't know how lucky people are, but at least they make, finally can put a face with a voice. But, yes, uh, yes, and also a location. For me, you know, I've met you before and I know you, but, I, but just, to, just to put a picture of where... You were actually doing the show from. Now, yesterday you were dressed in sports regalia. Is that typical, or did you do it just for the uh, Skype cameras? Uh, no, Coach. Pretty much all I have are nothing but sportswear okay. and suits. So if I'm not in a suit, <laughs> I basically have something that has a logo of some type of sponsorship. Uh-huh. Do you ever so, get confused, like, and show up to a fancy event wearing a nice pair of slacks, black dress shoes, and a, a Bears headband and an Urlacher jersey? I would love to say that it's happened to me, but I've never been invited to a fancy event. Come on. Really? Oh, no, actually, it, it's funny that you said that, Coach, because uh, I, uh, like, one day I was, this, I was still married at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, my brother in law had this huge art, uh, what do you call it, uh, gallery type. He had an exhibit. He okay. had all kinds of, he's a, he's a well renowned painter. Okay, really? so. Your brother in law. My brother-in-law, Peter Walsh, by the way, Pete Walsh has some really he has some beautiful pictures of naked women. I mean that he painted, <laughs> not that he took. Okay. And uh, you know, so like I was telling my my uh, wife at the time, I was like, you know, uh, I'll be the hit of this whole uh, of this whole gallery. She's like, yeah, right, whatever. No, I was seriously. No, let's go. She's like, you can't go. You're wearing pajamas and slippers. I'm like, yeah, exactly. I had on one of them nightcaps. You know, like those. <laughs> So, you know, like I remember this. Hang. This I remember you. T- this is an outdoor exhibit. No, 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 no. This no? was like this was at like eight thirty on a Friday night, and I walked okay. in, and everybody had a ten thousand dollars suit on, <laughs> except I was wearing slippers and one of those nightcaps. You know what I mean? That hang with the ball <laughs> to the side, coach. Yes, and I do. And I was holding a teddy bear. Uh-huh. I am not kidding you. People were like, is, "Are you the autist here?" Because I was talking to Pete, and Pete just rolled his eyes. He's like, "Are you out of your mind?" <laughs> so and it, everybody it thought you were some kind of artistic genius, probably, right? Exactly. Because I'm walking around in, in my underwear and a teddy bear coat. Uh-huh. So I had like I had like these Chicago Bears like pajamas and like <laughs> Chicago Cub like uh-huh. button up. Uh, pajama top coach. Did anybody sign you, uh, give you a paycheck and commission you to paint a picture in the future? They were talking to me like I was like 
one of the great artists of Chicago. <laughs> they, were, they act like they knew who I was. It was really funny. Oh, My wife was, like, was hysterical. That legitimately, Coach, if I ever should have been, you said, oh, follow you around with the camera, that uh, night would have been one of the best. That right. is beautiful. I, I recall, maybe maybe I'm mixing up my story, but I thought there was some outdoor art exhibit in Chicago where the, we, we had talked about on our radio show way back in days gone by where you showed up like in the morning wearing pajamas and that same uh, tousled hat and you got a similar reaction and maybe that's oh no it's the same story but you mixed up and it was definitely at night and okay. people were dressed to the nines okay. coach i don't know what that means but i i, I suppose it's nice uh, okay that's an outstanding no pictures of that no visuals that we can uh, look up on youtube no i, I really wish i would have taken something okay. like if i youtube crazed pajama man shows up at a uh, fancy artistic party your name will not uh, be there on youtube no, but if you like a uh, mystery renowned artist shows up, that you might get that one. Coach. Ah, all right, we'll try yeah. it. We'll try it. It is possible. I was drawing pictures on napkin stick figures, and they were like sublime. <laughs> These people were—they were crazy. Oh, <laughs> back when I was uh, of the age when you were of age for that particular event, modern art was just becoming the uh, you know the new thing, and, and that, modern art, of course, could basically. You know, you paint one red dot on an entire white canvas, and people think you're genius for doing it. So hold up, hold up, hold up. Did you do you remember me telling you this story of the red dot at the? Uh, this is no joke, folks. You can go right now to uh, the Museum of Art downtown. It's beautiful, by the way. They had that whole edition a couple of years ago. It's phenomenal. You're telling me you have a piece exhibiting at the Museum of Art? No, my point is, if I can do it, it's not art. And I understand there's meaning behind all this stuff. But you know there's a red dot painting at right now, and like, people are like, oh, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a red dot. Like, you just don't understand. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. It's oh. only a red dot. I could say it's anything right now. It symbolizes say, you know, it symbolizes man's inhumanity towards man, I'm sure. Yes, the, the, the struggle to keep your individualism. <laughs> <laughs> you just say something like that. Oh wow, it's, it's yeah. gorgeous. You know, man's uh, uh, fight against the collective. Man's oh. fight I to be know. individualism against the the commonplace. Uh, oh goodness gracious! I remember uh, uh, a, re- a really fat woman who stayed out in the sun too long. You know, it's you know. Yeah, you can get away with anything with modern art. I, I remember my English career in my uh, high school and early college years. I got away. With books and with meaning, man's inhumanity towards man. If there's any kids listening out there, you can use man's inhumanity towards man, and it's not going to guarantee you an A, but that, that alone, big dog, will take you a long way in the world of English composition. That'll take you in every single class. Pretty much science. Yeah. Well, I was kind of speaking particularly in in, in well, you philosophy, I guess, but more so in the linguistics and English and reading and interpretation. If you throw out an occasional man's inhumanity towards man, again, for the kids listening out there, we are a educational, if not entertaining show. That that line alone, Big Dog, will take you a long way. You know, uh, I, I'm definitely going to use that particular one yes. because I'm writing papers again, Coach. Oh, you and, are? Uh, okay. Yeah, this kid at Loyola mm-hmm. needs a paper written for him. And uh, he, he gave me a couple options. I can either do the opium war, or yeah. I can do uh, the rise of communism. Oh boy! So I can you think connect I'm the two? The I think the two. Communism. I think the two are connected. <laughs> you look it up in the record books: the rise of the uh, opium connection, and what was the other subject? 
uh, Rise of Communism. Oh, yeah. I think the two go, if not hand-in-hand, hand, at least hand-in-palm pilot. Well, I would have to disagree with you because the Rise of Communism mm -hmm. actually occurred subsequently with the fight and uh, against uh, the opium producers in China. Interesting. So, it's, you know, they, these people were no longer, I mean, basically, they made, well, whatever, Coach, I want to get all into that. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, but I have. I don't even know now, if I'm going to do it anymore. I promise not to do that anymore. But that, now, David Olson gave a strange look when you when you mentioned this particular job. Joel's had many a many jobs. David, this is the one where college students. I don't know if it's a website. I don't know if he gets personal <laughs> connections, references, or whatever. But our fine, uh, upstanding, moralistic college students of today apparently find ways. Not all of them, of course, small minority. At least I would hope so. Man's inhumanity toward man. Uh, some of these kids will find people like Joel to write papers for them, and Big Dog, you get paid uh, rather handsomely. Well, I did, but this guy he undercut me. He said he's only going to pay me. Uh, he's going to pay me a lot less than I wanted for. Uh, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to let him know today. Yep. Wing. Beggars can't be choosy. No, we can't. Yeah, remember, Big Dog, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. <laughs> All right. If we got all that out of the way, I don't know how we yes. ended out on that particular subject, but uh, there we are. By the way, speaking of jobs, I meant to mention this to you anyway. Yesterday, I'm going to throw some different jobs out at you each day, Big Dog. Cubs PA announcer job okay. is open and available. Only about 15,000 people applied day one, so you got a solid chance for that. Yeah, now, number two, that. I'm sure you read the front page along with the sports page uh, with the entrance of Rahm Emanuel as our new mayor. Uh, we also have the exit. Stage left of our fine police superintendent, Jody Weiss. Many people are saying, let's get an insider, someone who's been with the police department. There's others, like my guy, Father Flager, who's a little hesitant to bring in an insider because he's afraid if you bring in an insider from the department, well, they're going to favor the police all the time. So my thought is if you have to go outside, someone like yourself who's had experience with Chicago police, unfortunately, Chicago you're police are phenomenal. You're ex <laughs> Why are they listening? No, no. I, out of all the police departments in the city of Chicago, the, uh, the suburban area included, Chicago tend to be the most fair police officers, without question. Interesting. I, I, well, I, without I question. With I, different I, departments. I don't know about the without question part. I think there's some people could question. David Olson, I mentioned Father Flager and the whole concept there. I think he's half right. I think you, you, have, you have to bring in somebody from the outside – but you have to bring in someone who has been a cop because that was part of the problem everybody had with Jody Weiss, yes. or at least or at least the rank and file police officers because yep. you know he was he was more he was more a scholar yep. than he was uh, and you can't you can't have the last name Weiss well sorry if you're going to be the police chief in Chicago we got to he was and, doomed it's got to be Stone or Pulaski yeah. or yeah yeah exactly I would I would really like it if the guy was already uh, rich and didn't need money for payoffs. That's a good that point. Was I'm not saying uh, we did. Mm -hmm. I, I, somebody with a backbone. And because you do have to have a cop that the police officers actually believe in and trust. And if they haven't been a police officer before, it's kind of hard to be the superintendent, I guess. I, I honestly believe that. So Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a hard concept <laughs> because you, you do want to bring up, you know, you want to promote from within. That's the normal way of doing business. But there are some from the outside that, you know, think if you promote from within and you get the wrong guy, he's going to support those of within and not uh, look at things fairly when there is a dispute between the general public and the police department. So you got yeah, all those and, kind of issues. 
and when somebody's going up for a job, they can pretty much say whatever to get in and mm-hmm. and also portray themselves in yeah. a certain way. And next thing you know, they're mm-hmm. favoring all the police that are already in there. But I, I thought immediately, well, not immediately, secondarily on the rebound, I thought of yourself as a, uh, you've had experience with the Chicago Police Department from the outside, not from yeah. the inside. You've got the name, Police Chief Radwanski. I mean, that, that fits right in there. Uh, I think it would take a little bit of time, but with your sports background and your knowledge of the police department, I think you'd earn the respect of the policeman. It's a little bit of a long shot, big dog, but if the PA gig for the Cubs doesn't work out, I think Police Chief City of Chicago might fill the bill for you. You know, I actually think I'd be pretty fair, Coach. Legitimately, I would, uh, and I'd make the I'd make the torture that we put on these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would definitely it would be short, not like these long drawn out torture sessions that these. Police officers have put these poor uh, yep. innocent people through. I mm-hmm. would make sure they were short. They'd be painful, mm-hmm. you know, but they they wouldn't well, be prolonged. That'd be one thing. That, one of the first things I would go in and do. Now, let me ask you, candidate, talking to a candidate for police chief, city of Chicago, Mr. Joel Radwanski. Anybody out there has got questions for him? Or you'd like to talk to him about the March Madness basketball tournament? You can do so, 888-463-6748. But Officer Radwanski, or Officer-to-be, Officer-wannabe Radwanski, here's a question I brought up before, and it, uh, and it came to fruition again about three or four days ago when I believe it was a homeless gentleman mm-hmm. was shot and killed by a Chicago police men. I think there were two or three of them. Now, he had a gun on him, and apparently he was, I don't know if he was shooting at them, but he had threatened with the gun also, and they had previously or just, I guess they didn't frisk him close enough, didn't realize he had a gun. But he's a homeless guy. So... I understand because uh, it, it, you don't really want to. That's a real personal issue you got to do. Ask, I yes. mean, that's why for like uh, TSA, they had to get the people that were most friendliest. They voted most friendly in high school. Yeah, but but okay, <laughs> I bet they were. But my question <laughs> to you as a candidate, uh, Officer Radwanski, why is the guy dead? Why can't the police? I mean, they're fairly trained. Why can't you shoot someone in the leg? Or use a taser gun. This seems to happen very often. I can almost see the reason, almost, at times, well, well, for well, someone like that the need to be shot. But why would you shoot him in a spot where you could kill him? Why not just in the leg where you, you, you would disable him? Because the point is he's got a gun and he's threatening you. So if you shoot a guy in the leg, he's going to shoot you in the face. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think if you shoot him in the leg, he goes down. I mean, that's some serious pain. Yeah, and by the way, it's it's really difficult for a police department to get away with tasing people nowadays. Ever since "Don't tase me, bro" has become a YouTube yeah. sensation. Okay, so because of that, the tase you can't tase well, anymore. Yeah, you know, otherwise, you know, you're going to be yeah. like whatever. That's that, that that's not true, candidate Rod Radwanski. I mean, that's <laughs> you know, that was a funny incident, but it's not true at all. Man, I'm actually speaking to you semi half serious here. I don't understand, or, or a guy's running away. You know, get it, well. Don't shoot him in the back where it's going to go through the chest. Shoot him in the leg. Shoot him in the butt. You get a bullet in through and your all, leg. All I know is this, too, Coach. Huh? If if I'm a police officer, I'm going to be in good enough shape that maybe I don't frisk a homeless man properly because I really don't want to check everything. But he's not going to outrun me. Okay, so if a homeless man starts running from me, I think I'd be able to catch him. Yeah. 
I'm not asking anybody to put their life in danger, and I'm not saying there's never times where if it is in danger, you shoot to kill, no question about it. But if we have any police department officials listening to the show, I'd love to hear from you. We are big in the police department, big though, basically because of your reputation. 888-463-6748. You're a, I don't know if you're well-liked, but you are well-known with our fellow Chicago Police Department. Well, that is good. That is it's good to know. I've played softball against enough of them. So oh yeah, that's I, I brutal. Have to, I guess I should have a lot of enemies. Brutal. Well, it depends on what team I'm. Yeah. Well, I, I love our Chicago Police Department, both the Fire Department and Police Department. When they play softball or basketball leagues, those guys are brutal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember I used to referee, and and I think I told you this story before when I was first asked to do Sunday morning police league or fireman softball league. I thought oh, this would be pretty cool, you know, Chicago's finest, right? Uh huh. <laughs> Chicago's finest are some of the most maniacal, bitching, complaining, non-objective sports athletes that I have ever seen. They take it serious, and they're brutal on the umpire. You couldn't pay me enough to do those games. Um, Coach, I, I couldn't agree more because uh, I've actually I've never had a referee any uh, any of those games, but I've had a play against them in softball, and my God. Yep. I, I like legitimately. I was like, I think this is more intense than the college football games that I played. In. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like how bad they made me want to win after just complaining the whole time. How do you say chip on shoulder? <laughs> yeah. And remember, David also one of my fam- uh, favorite quotes: Confucius say a chip on the shoulder indicates what higher up winning. <laughs> what the hell's that? All right, Charlie Sheen. Very good. Big doll, we got that out of the way. You're ready to talk some sports, my friend. Yes, we can talk sports, especially if you don't want to talk about the second half of the Chicago Bulls game last night. I did not see the Bulls game, but apparently we had a 14. Did we have a 14-0 lead to start the game? Yes, uh, wow. yes, we did. And and the beautiful thing, it wasn't like Atlanta was just throwing up bricks, Coach. Every single shot was uh, was defended. There, I mean, it was it was awfully good. They they started out taking care of the basketball. Getting like extra pass and getting good looks, and defensively we're just in their face. But Al Horford took over for Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Like it, I don't like that guy, Al Horford. How many times can he flop? Can he throw an elbow in somebody's chest and then fall down and act like he was the one who was attacked? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there's only so much of that I can take, Coach. Thirty-one point sixteen rebounds. He's not an NBA superstar. But he's in that next level, had a heck of a game. And Big Dog, he was going up against his former college teammate, his former national championship college teammate, Mr. Joakim Noah, right? The two of them were big parts of that Florida team. Uh, yes, they were. They were both won, they won two national champions at Florida. Yep. And I, I tell you one thing, Al Horford plays to win the game. He's just a pain in the butt as an opponent, my goodness. Mm-hmm. How did uh, our ex-Chicago Bull Kirk Heinrich look? I was not able to see the game. Oh, he he dribbled the ball all over the court. I don't know if he's he scored any buckets, but he was dribbling everywhere. It was really cute, coach. Is he still white? He is still white. Okay. Uh, you know what? Yeah, he he played solid defense. He didn't yeah. do anything on offense in terms mm-hmm. of mistakes or make plays. But yeah, yeah he know. was he's underrated. Underrated. Well, maybe not so much by the NBA players. I think they finally started to realize. But a very good defensive guards so tough loss for the bulls uh they, they had a 19 point lead at one point i think they're up 14 15 at halftime but big dog we've seen it so often in we see it in all sports i think more so basketball you jump out to a big early lead and somehow subconsciously you let up and almost inevitably it's amazing 
14-0 lead to start the game, 15-2, 16-4, almost inevitably the other team will come back. You know, and you know the funny thing is they kind of came back immediately. It made it like 32-23 at the end of the first. But then the Bulls kept it at 10 all the way up until right before the start of the fourth quarter. And uh, then after that, it was just it slowly chipped away. I don't think Atlanta actually got the lead until about – what was it, about a minute and a half to go in the game, Coach? That was their first lead of the whole entire ball game. Mm-hmm. So, we had some shots. I game. think what Kyle Korver had a shot to tie it up with a three uh, that fell just short. Yeah, he was wide open. and I mean, that's all he's supposed to do when he's here is hit mm-hmm. three-point shots, and he, he comes up about a foot and a half short of the rim. That was pretty embarrassing. That's a shot he hits more times than not. Bulls go down to Atlanta. Uh, we should mention also in the NBA, no, before getting to March Madness, we got to get to spring training baseball as well with some interesting yeah. action both in uh, both Chicago baseball summer camps, spring camps, if you will. But uh, real one quick note I noticed in the NBA news and notes, dog, the Denver Nuggets minus Carmelo Anthony. Ever since Carmelo left, and Chauncey Billup, you know what their record is? Um, I know they've won a couple games, Coach. Four and one, minus Carmelo. That's awfully good. And, and I was so sick of hearing about Carmelo. I don't want to sit there and like pound on the guy, but mm-hmm. extremely overrated as an overall basketball player. He's a great scorer, and that is it. Now, so, to be fair, the team he got traded to, the New York Knicks, I think are something like three and one. So it's not so like, they, you know. They've lost at least two games, Coach, because okay. they – they they've lost at least two, so they're probably I think they're three and two most likely, and okay. they beat the Heat. Mm-hmm. So uh, well, I'm not saying it's like they're they're bad, but right. I I just I don't understand this whole hoopla. You know, hours every single day covering this Carmelo thing, and you mm-hmm. know that was kind of stupid. Was I, I, j- I just like to see other guys step up when the superstar leaves and prove that the team was more than just him. Now, unfortunately for the Cleveland Cavaliers, when LeBron <laughs> left, some of that mentality was there. In a, what was it, the first 8, 10, 12 games of the season, hey, the Cavaliers doing pretty good. And then after that, without the LeBron, they have dropped off the table and threatening to have one of the worst records in NBA history. You know, and they're, they're a little different about how, how they were done. So, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if it's more sympathetic, but in, in some ways it is more sympathetic to the players, mm-hmm. but to the owner. Shut your mouth. All the stuff he said bad about LeBron, he's kind of getting what he deserves in a way, Coach. Yep. All right, 888-463-6748. We're uh, heading not deep, but we have uh, entered entered the epidermis that would be the month of March here. March Madness starting to kick in. It hasn't uh, gone full fever yet. We're probably up, what, from our normal? What's normal? 98.6 temperature? We're probably yeah. about 98.9, maybe maybe just over 99. It's starting to heat up. Tonight we got uh, the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament starting. A couple of those tournaments, big dog, the Big Ten Women's Tournament. So things start to uh, kick up another notch tonight. And uh, the Missouri Valley Conference always one of my favorite to watch. Oh, without a doubt. And because uh, if you win the Missouri Valley Conference, you have a you have a prime chance to actually win some games in the tournament. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you normally you get a pretty decent speed and, you go up against a team that you can knock off. You sound a little backed up over there. So if we were on Skype right now, you couldn't blow your nose because people could see that. Yes. Well, if you I, need, I do need to if blow you, my nose. If you need to I've really, been doing it the whole show, by the way. Really? Yes. All right, well, you've been doing it very subtly before I brought it up. But anytime <laughs> you need to release a bodily fluid on this show, Big Dog, feel free to do so. We are America's on natural sports talk show. 
Okay, good. Yeah, just don't stand no. up after the show because we're not that natural. <laughs> if you didn't join us on yesterday's award-winning show, we found that the big dog dresses very, very well for the show. The problem is he only dresses from the waist up. So whatever you do, if you hear any applause, don't stand up and bow. I'll make it a point not to, even though I'm not on Skype at this moment, Coach. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. All right, for the college front, a uh, couple of things to mention. One, North Carolina knocked off uh, Florida State yesterday. That's probably the best game of the day, 72-70. to 70. Quietly, big dog. North Carolina is reentering the college basketball mindset. And this Saturday, they take on Duke for the ACC championship game. That should be a good one. Wow. Uh, are, are you serious? North Carolina has played themselves in the fact that if they win that game, they can what, get a piece of it, I guess? They're tied. tied for, they struggled early with some of the non-conference games, but I'm pretty sure both them and Duke have one loss each. Saturday's game will be for the pride, the joy of Tobacco Road. Wow. I didn't realize North Carolina only had one loss. I thought they had more than that. So mm-hmm. that's I'm definitely going to try to watch that game. I'll be taping it. That's Whenever they're actually playing for the championship in that game, that just adds even a little bit more intensity to uh, mm-hmm. the best basketball rivalry in America. Good, because you, you, you sort of answered my next question. I was hoping it was going to be the response you just gave. And my next question was, with the ACC tournament coming up and the March Madness tournament coming up, have we entered mindset now with players and coaches that the conference championship game on Saturday, it's big, but it's not that big. We have bigger. Huh? Well, never, ever, ever in my uh, in my book, coach. Well, I know in your book. What about the players, though? I think no to the players and coaches. Yes, to diehard college basketball loyalists, winning your conference is still huge. You're talking a 12 team conference, coach. Yeah. You're 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 preaching to the choir. I'm, but I'm I mean, more this, curious. This means something. It really does. Okay, and I hope that translates to the players and coaches because I do the, worry that there's too much emphasis on the uh, tournament, your conference tournament, and then the uh, you know March Madness. You're right. This is the long haul. This is the regular season conference championship. I hope the players realize how much is at stake. You know, I understand the general sports fans thinking uh, ones that are you know kind of college basketball fans, but they love it in in March. Not really appreciating it as much, but you know, coach, we watch college basketball start in November. You know, like so that's we we get the fact. And these guys that practice all year round, you know, their coaches they talk about, hey, let's go to the Final Four or all that other stuff. But it's really easy when they do their list of goals to write down as the top, you know, uh, Atlantic Conference, you know, Atlantic Coast Conference champions. So. Yep. Yeah, I always hate it when I hear teams or players say, well, you know, we're just. We're peaking for the end of the season. We're just working for the for the tournament. Everything that we're doing is to get ready and see if we can make a run into the tournament. I've always thought that that's, that's the incorrect philosophy. That's the carrot at the end, to me. That's the ultimate goal. But to me, you, you break the season down. Hey, we got our Thanksgiving tournament. Okay, It's competition. There's six teams in the tournament. Let's, let's try and win that. Then you got your non-conference schedule. Each game, let's go and battle another school. Then you got your, uh, you know, your, your holiday uh, tournament. Over the holidays, hey, that is a separate tournament wherever you go, Alaska, Anchorage, Hawaii, wherever it is. Eight teams in the tournament, let's just take this bundle. It's competition. Here's eight teams. Let's try to win this tournament. And then you got your conference tournament, and then at the end is the ultimate. But the season is not ruined if you lose a March Madness game if you won your conference, in my opinion. Oh, no, yeah, I'm with you on that. But, you know, the beautiful thing about having the tournament is, Coach, is, uh, you know, a team like Illinois – 
who had an extremely disappointing year and didn't even contend whatsoever for a Big Ten championship after yeah. their second or third game of the year mm-hmm. in conference, they can still save their season. You know, so and I agree with you. If you're playing for a championship, you shouldn't ever, ever be like, well, the tournament's more important. If you get a chance to win a Big Ten, a SEC, a, you know, a championship, you should cherish those things, mm-hmm. those opportunities. I think that's one of the negatives that the end-of-season tournaments have done. Well, there's the ACC tournament coming up, so the regular conference tournament is not that big. That's a negative. The uh, the positive, though, and I think the positive outweighs the negative, I love the aspect that, you know, the Big Ten, Northwestern, Minnesota, Penn State, and the ACC, you could take teams like Clemson, Florida State, uh, some of the teams even below them, teams that have struggled all season, and the Missouri Valley Conference starting tonight. Illinois State's, the SIU's, the Bradley's, you still can keep the dream alive. You can keep working all season long even though things aren't going well because you know at the end there's a chance, there's a chance that you could get hot and maybe be dancing. Uh, and you know what, in, in in a way, yeah, you still have a chance to win a national title no matter what. So that is that is a beautiful thing. Uh, I'm not downplaying that whatsoever. Let me put it in reality. Let's just take Southern Illinois University, rough season. For a very good coach, by the way. I hope they don't get rid of Chris Lowry. I like him. But I'm just using them as an example. How less enthusiastic for the fans, how less enthusiastic for coaches and players would the last three weeks have been if there was no MVC tournament at the end? You know, that's, that's a great point, Coach. It's, it's really hard to actually sum that up into, you know, give you a value for that. But it would be dramatically lower. There's no yeah. doubt. There's no doubt, especially yeah. for a team, you know, that, that has had some success. And now, well, you don't have a right. shot at actually going to the tournament, no mm-hmm. shot at the conference championship. Basically, you're only you're hoping for is maybe a rival or two comes in at the end of the season. Yep. That's so, about all you'd have. Yeah. So I, I think it's kept interest of uh, and the competitive edge of players and coaches and fans. So overall, I do like the uh, the conference tournaments. It all starts today, Big Dog March Madness. Starting to kick it up into high gear. By the way, the NIT tournament, I want to mention that, too, because Northwestern, uh, they won yesterday. It, it, now, you are – some people have bracketologists. We have bubbleologists. And uh-huh. Joe Radwanski's yeah. a longtime bubbleologist. Yesterday, I asked you about the bubble for some NCAA teams. Let me ask you about Northwestern University on the NIT bubble. In, out, deflated, inflated, or somewhere in between? I think uh... – I think they're going to make it, Coach, especially if they win at least one Big Ten tournament game that they're in. I imagine them not falling totally on their face and losing all the games the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. But I think they'll get in and they'll get one home game. Because you know they'll get 10,000 people because uh, Northwestern would still appreciate the NIT mm-hmm. and the, oh, yeah. the seniors that they have on as, the team. As a Northwestern University season ticket holder for the first time, I would uh, anxiously await a NIT home open. I would look forward to that. Well, exactly, exactly. Where if you were maybe at another school, you wouldn't look forward to. And I hate to tell you, the NIT, Coach, it, maybe it isn't as fair. But then again, you know, they're, they want to go to games where that people will actually attend. That's actually part of uh, them figuring out who gets in and who doesn't get in. Mm-hmm. So, but- which is that's fine with me. They need to make money and keep it afloat. So might as well go to the, the, the fan base that you know is going to support it. Yeah, I think the NIT tournament is a, uh, I'll use the word great, it's a great tournament. And I think once you get over the disappointment of not making the NCAA tournament, all right, you know, you're disappointed, fine, get over it. You you, you wash that away after 12 hours. 
maybe 24 hours. And then as a competitor, you have to get yourself in the mindset. and You start looking at, what is it, 32 teams in the NIT? 48? Yeah, All right. 32. So you start looking at those 32 teams. And they may not be Ohio State. And they may not be Duke. But there's some pretty good teams in there. And you start getting the competitive juices going. And you say, hey, we are now in an end-of-season 32-team tournament with some of these teams. Our first matchup is this team. If we win, you can get into it. There's no, to me, you don't have to go backpedal or apologize for being in the NIT tournament. No, it, you, you can probably hold up 69 fingers and say we're the 69th best team in the country. I probably, don't even, Coach. I don't, I see, I don't even like to look at I think that's a negative way to look at it. Oh, okay. I just, I'm a competitor and I love <laughs> tournaments. I love tournaments. Yes, as a softball player, as a basketball coach. I mean, regular season games are great, but I don't care if it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, or end of the season. Tournaments get my juices flowing even a little bit more. So, you know, forget about 69th or 72nd team. 32 teams. Hey, we got, uh, you know, Texas Christian. You got Stanford from out west. You got, you know, Utah from the Mountain West kind. You got all these teams here. Let's go for it. Let's see how far we can advance. Let's see if we can win this puppy. Just get your natural competitive juices flowing and forget about where you're ranked. No, I'm with you on that, but I always find the NIT much better when it ends up being something like Mooseheart taking on Maryland or something like that. Like when it ends up being, I, I like I like the smaller schools getting a shot at those. It, it bothers me like when Maryland's mm-hmm. 19 and 15 and they get to go. I would not. Yeah, I would not disagree with that. All right, so we got uh, the madness of March kicking in. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. I did fill out four more brackets yesterday, Big Doug. I'm up to twenty eight different brackets right now. I have three or four more for you. Do you want me to fax those twenty eight to you, or want me to hold off for a little uh, bit? No, you can hold on to all of them, Coach. Please. <laughs> oh goodness! All right, I'm going to pick a lucky one out of those. 68 team, not easy to do. And I'm not using a computer with this big deal. This is all manually done. Okay, so basically, knowing you, you're going to have uh, somehow, like, uh, <laughs> like Purdue's going to have a number one seed somehow. Uh, let's and see. The, I and think Kansas is going to fall all the way to, like, ace somehow. As best I can recollect, only on three of my 28 uh, brackets that I've filled out completely has Purdue made the number one seed. All right, I got you. Yeah. Well, if, if Purdue goes on a run and wins the Big Ten tournament, are they the number one seed? Um, it does depend on what happens in the other places, yes. especially like if, okay. uh, if if Pittsburgh falls. But believe it or not, yes. Yeah. The Big Ten actually does have a possibility of having two number one seeds. Mm-hmm. How about? I don't think they'll, they'll grab one from Ohio State, no matter what happens the rest of the way. How about Wisconsin? If they go on a roll, probably not. How the best they can do is number two. I would, I would think so, coach. Yeah. But I mean, it's not out of the question again that, but they would need a lot more falling at the top. Like BYU is not going to be a number one anymore, coach. No. By the way, after lo- getting blown out and losing Brandon Davies. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, do we know why he has been suspended for the college hoop fans out there filling out early brackets like myself? I don't know. Is he their second best player, the third best player behind Jimmer Fredette, Brigham Young's Brandon Davies dismissed? from the team for honor code violations. Do we know what yeah, it was? Yeah, they, they know what it is. He admitted to having sex with his girlfriend, basically. So, I mean, all i got to say is uh, BYU um, recruiting took the biggest hit it's ever taken in its whole entire history. Well, uh, uh, back up a second. Let's keep in mind that it is BYU. Yeah. What... Uh, 
How do you get? Why is it an honor code violation to have sex with your girlfriend? Well, at, at BYU, you uh, sign a piece of paper that says you will not drink, do drugs, smoke, have premarital sex. Really? All this other stuff. David Olson, producer extraordinaire, were you aware that that code was in effect at Brigham Young? I was not aware of that. Interesting. I find it interesting because Jim McMahon somehow was able to play quarterback there while he was hammered <laughs> playing golf naked with beers in his hands, you know, on the on the BYU golf yeah. range. I'm going to take a wild guess to say he doesn't get a lot of alumni um, recruitment, come back for dinner, speak, speaking events at Brigham Young, Jim McMahon. No, that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> So they they uh, they kicked this young man off the team because he admitted having sex with that's, his uh, with his girlfriend. That's so ridiculous. they kicked him off the team. That's ridiculous. So you're telling me with Jimmer Fredette's newfound fame this year and actually last year, good looking guy with all the female potential that a Jimmer Fredette would have, he is not allowed to um, round third base and go through the signal of Wendell Kim. Yeah, you know. So I, I feel you know like I was you know joking around last year. I called. Uh, uh, John Sherna, the the 19.5 point a game virgin. Well, I, I should have been saying the 23.5 point a game virgin in Jimmer for that, and he's up to 26 points a game this year. So maybe women do weaken legs, coach. There's there's got to be more to the story. There's got to be more to the story. Speaking of sex scandals on campus, not that that's a sex scandal, Brandon Davies. Hopefully, there's no more to it. David Olson, are you aware? I, I mean, I guess the big dog is not of the Northwestern University incident. Uh-oh. Please don't tell me it was checked with Oh, no. This this is uh, I, I'm aware of that. No, it... Uh, this is incredible. It, it involves a, a power saw. Uh, what? Well, you can do better than that. Come on, Dave. Give me a, give me a little lead-up to this story. Uh, human sexuality class. Uh, Let that sink in a little bit. Northwestern okay. University, so kids can sign up. For right. a human it was, sexuality it was, course. Yeah, it was a human sexuality course. Uh, hey, blue 44 red. It was a demonstration involving a man, a woman, and a power tool. Is, so is, big, that, is that a better lead up? Uh, no, actually, a little better, but but still but not good enough. Power saw though. So yeah, big, reciprocating or uh, not a reciprocating. It's uh, replic- the, replicating. No, not replicating. Maybe it is a reciprocating saw. All right, so, but, Big Doe, you got this human sexuality class, and obviously a very liberal teacher, very liberal institution, okay? I, I don't so, know if I want to hear the rest. <laughs> so he apparently tells the kids that we are going to have some kind of demonstration at a particular time. I don't think it was regular class time, possibly. And he brings in two people, a male and a female, that actually do this somewhat as a, a specialty. They both admitted they kind of like being exhibitionists, but they travel around. I swear to you, this is a true story. And there must have been 100, 150 kids in the class. The teacher warned them beforehand. Now, what's coming is fairly graphic. They said a couple people left, the rest of the kids. And they, yeah. the kids did not exactly know what was coming. Right, right. The female then proceeds. This is Northwestern University, human sexuality class. True story. Takes off her clothes. The guy takes off a, a guy takes out. It is a reciprocating saw with a phallus attachment. Right. And proceeds, they they basically show her in various stages of... uh, Arousal. Yes. uh, Ultimate arousal. Yep, and then on to the main event, yeah. 
No. For no, her. No, no for they didn't her. do maintenance. Yeah. It was just her. Yes, it was just her. Yeah. Can you believe that? What did they do with the power saw? That was the tool that was being used to show the students as a quote-unquote teaching mechanism about female arousal and the female orgasm. that amazing? <laughs> <laughs> Not often does the big dog speechless. Oh, my goodness. See, well, you haven't told me everything exactly that happened, so I'm going in a couple different directions here. Well, yeah, you get the idea. And the name of the tr- the, the guy's clothes were on the whole time. Yes, but he okay. was he, he was operating the machinery. He was oppor- <laughs> oh, I got, you. I got. You. He, he was yeah. the he was the uh, heavy equipment operator, yes. as it were. Yes. Yeah, pick up the Chicago Tribune today. Well worth your seventy-five cents. John Cass's column is about it, and then on page four or five, they had a yeah, and it's all over the internet. It's on yeah, yeah it's on like Gawker and Deadspin. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. got it. Okay. Okay. Oof. Wow. Anyhow. I don't think that guy will be teaching at Brigham Young University. I'm going to take a wild guess there. Well, you know what? When you have, like, more than one wife coached, it takes a lot. It might take a couple power tools. That might actually be a great class <laughs> for BYU. It might be, but I don't think they're going to offer it, considering they just suspended Brandon Davies for consensual sex with his girlfriend. Yeah, that's brutal. It, it was consensual. Supposedly he said yes, he'd do it. That's brutal. All right. Well, we've got consensual sports talk here. The big dog and the coach. Uh, it's fully legal. You don't have to be over 17 to listen to the show. We highly encourage everybody to uh, hop on, and you can do so at 888-463-6748. Uh, we're very happy to be consensual sports talk radio, big dog. Any other March Madness things? Uh, am, I, am I forgetting any big games from yesterday? I did not do a lot of television viewing last night. Hey, well, no, I, I, I'm all good, Coach. I'm actually having more. I, I, I didn't watch any college basketball last night. Uh, I just watched the Bulls, and then, believe it or not, I was watching spring training ba- baseball after that. Let's Replays talk. of earlier in the game. Let or, us talk <laughs> a little spring training baseball here. Um, news and notes from the Cub Camp, White Sox Camp, baseball camps across America, baseball fans, you want to check in. It's early, but if you got some... Uh, Feeling some urges, plus, minus, anywhere in between on your favorite baseball team, give us a call. 888-463-6748. Big dog for your favorite baseball team, the Chicago Cubs. It has been, well, I'll say eventful, but not eventful in the best possible way the last three, four days, including yesterday when there was a fight. Yeah, and, I mean, why couldn't he hurt around Mr. Ramirez so we could actually start somebody else at third base? No, I'm just joking. Carlos Silva and Ramos Ramirez get into a fight in the in the dugout because Carlos Silva was upset at some of Ramos Ramirez's defensive or lack of defensive plays in the in the first inning, and there was like a pushing match in the, in the in the Cubs dugout yesterday. Come on, guys, it's a spring training game. But I love what Mike Quaddy said, Coach. He says maybe that's exactly what we need. He's like because we can't field and we can't pitch at the moment. I like Mark Waddy's attitude. I, I read a recap of the first inning, uh-huh. and, and I mean, it was, I felt like I was um, following a recap of my ten-year-old baseball team, like an opening game of the season. <laughs> I mean, what was it? First batter walked. Carlos, uh-huh. this is Carlos Silva making his first appearance of the spring. No, we're not going to make too big a deal of it, but I mean, please. First batter walks. Next batter home run. Next batter fly ball to Aramis Ramirez pop up. He drops it in the sun. Next batter, two-run homer. Next batter, ground, this might not be perfect, but it's close enough. Next batter, ground ball, Starlin Castro right through his legs. 
Next batter gets walked. Next batter a double. Next batter hits a ball to the outfield. Error in the outfield. I mean, they batted around, and I think we got one out. It was a total disaster. And Big Dog, right now the Chicago Cubs can't pick up the ball. Is that a – are we over-exaggerating it, or is it a cancer that could spread? You know, uh, it's really funny how you just said that the Cubs can't pick up, pick up the ball. It sounds like so simplistic when you're talking about a problem with the baseball team. Oh, they can't catch the baseball. You know, it, it, but it's funny is, you know, you, if you, in the middle of the season, you, if this happened, a little kid would say, you know, Uncle Joel, why can't the Cubs catch the baseball? It's really as simple as that, isn't it, coach, when it comes down to it? Well, and, uh, you know, simple. There are major league players, obviously for you and me, it'd be pretty difficult. But yes, basically it's as simple as that. Yeah, like the, the Stalin Castro play is, it's really unacceptable. Like it was like he wasn't, wasn't even paying attention and all of a sudden like the ball was hit to him. He's like, oh no. It was, I don't know. As a Cup fan, let them get this out of the way. Maybe they can have a decent year. Mm-hmm. If everybody plays to their uh, up, you know optimum level, the Cubs will have a really good team this year. But the chances mm-hmm. of that happen are actually you know minuscule. All right. Now I think it's an interesting moment in time on how you handle it for manager Mike Quade. Earlier in the show, I put you in the place of the uh, police chief of the city of Chicago, Officer Joel Radwanski. Now I'm going to put you in the shoes of uh, Mike Quade, the brand new manager for the Cubs. A fight, a lot of errors, some mental lapses. I think they've had a couple players picked off bases. There's different ways you could approach this. You can, you know, nip it now and take the hard-ass approach, and maybe, you know, brand-new manager, that's the way to go. You can kind of slough it off, you know, be a player's manager, ease up a little bit. That can work, maybe work against you. If you were Mike Quade right now, what approach would you take? Oh, Officer I would, I would go miniature golfing today. That's what I would do. Okay. You all got the day off. You go miniature golfing. Mm-hmm. No. Um I think just stay the course. You're a new manager, coach. Let, let this stuff play itself out. No reason to overreact on stuff because there's going to be times when you're a manager and you have to like make a move, put your foot down, maybe uh, you know wag your finger a little bit. So mm-hmm. let the, the players are doing it to themselves right now. Let's so in, in some weird way, as long as you know it's not out of control. If it, is, I mean, he has a better feel on it, better pulse on it than we're going to have. But if it's not out of control, you let it play out. Especially, let I me. Mean, I mean, what, a couple of weeks last year doesn't really count. Yep. He's just taken over as the Cubs manager. So It's a tough call. I would tend to agree with you. But on the other hand, you know, you know from your sports media experience that if the Cubs were to get off to a bad start this year and, you know, mental mistakes on the bases and the fielding, people will look back and criticize and say, oh, it started back those first couple of days when he was too easy on the guys. He didn't address it. Then he lost the clubhouse back then. So it could. And again, I agree with you, but it could come back and bite him in the in the backside. Well, he doesn't have to. He can still put his foot down without making a big deal out of it. Just be like, hey, you're major league ball players, and we're fighting in the dugout, or you know, and then just be like, if it happens again, I'm going to suspend somebody. You know, it's, I think it's it's not bad. You know, it's not like he made a big deal out of it. He, I mean, the media doesn't even have to know he did did that. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I, I just I just let's not overreact too much. Carlos Silva's a hothead. This will be, not be the last time that he acts like an idiot. I mean, him and Carlos Zambrano are extreme. I mean, uh, if, hopefully Carlos Silva is the hothead on the, on the team this year. That would be good. So, <laughs> so Car- Carlos Zambrano can take over a new role as the calming influence. Of the- yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Maybe because, <laughs> I mean, because let's admit, Zambrano has a much bigger upside than Silva. So if he sees Silva acting like a lunatic, maybe he's going to be like, mm-hmm. man, I don't want to look like that. So maybe I just go out here and pitch. 
He's got a much bigger upside. He's got a slightly bigger backside than Carlos Silva. I, I don't know. Carlos Silva's a stout man, Coach. It's true. If he, if he was a beer, he'd be a very, very dark, bitter stout. Okay. <laughs> uh, never quite thought of it that way, and I'm sure the Silva family is thrilled for that uh, correlation. Well, uh, of course they, they are. I mean, it's, at least that's something positive. If I were a beer, what would I be, like a Pilsner? Maybe yeah. an ale, a nice ale? Yeah, I, I think you're more of a Pilsner coach. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, I think. I'm not even going to ask for your reasoning. I don't want to know your reasoning. I'm just going to take it as a compliment, even if it was not meant as a compliment. Big dog and a coach at your service. 888-463-6748. Cubs are off to a one and four start. Big dog, too early to panic, or can we write this season off? <laughs> Way too early to panic. Come on. <laughs> no, uh, no, cause I, cause you asked me that and I'm serious about the, the answer. That's why I kind of maybe overreact a little bit. You don't have to worry at all about, like, Carlos Silva having a rough day. Mm-hmm. The fielding does bother me a little bit. But all these pitchers are trying to do is right. get into a groove, get their arm loose. What about strikes. our many That's Chicago right. White Sox fans out there, Southside fans? They're off to an 0-3 start. Too early to panic, big dog? Or no, it, just no, a bump no, in the road? Definitely not too early. If you're a White Sox fan, you should panic just Whoa. because you're a White Sox fan. Oh. You have to have many other issues. So not because they're 0-3, you're just taking a shot <laughs> in general at the White Sox fans. Yeah, no, actually, yeah, the White Sox team looks really, really good this year. Yeah. Um, it's between them and the Twins in the American League Central. And if you win that, if you win the, uh, uh, there's no, I mean, you have a good chance to make it to the World Series if you win in the, because none of those teams look really, really powerful in the yeah. American League. The Red Sox lineup, Coach, is ridiculous. But the Yankees only have one top-end starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I don't know if the Angels or Rangers, if you have to worry about those teams that much this year. So, I don't know, if you win, if they win the division, they have a shot at going to the World Series, a legitimate one. Our uh, ex-co-host Mark Carmen, now working on Kansas City Sports Talk Radio, reported to us uh, yesterday via text and email and Facebook and a few other social networking devices that uh, the Royals are looking very good at spring training. He's saying this could be the year the Kansas City Royals rise to the top of Major League Baseball. Uh, yeah, I, was, I actually watched the, the Dodgers and the Royals uh, um game yesterday and that's all charlie steiner the dodgers was raving about is all the how loaded the royals are pitching and all this other stuff so and they do have like the players that i do know that they have like billy butler could hit coach mm-hmm. he really can hit so okay. who knows maybe maybe the royals won't be brutal it'd be nice to see that team playing actually some good baseball okay. again because they got some nice uniforms pittsburgh pirates so we have many uh, pittsburgh fans that listen to the show manager clint hurdle brand new Manager Clint Hurdle occasionally will pop on and uh, listen to the TalkZone.com. Two guys in a mic show. What suggestions would you give for brand new Pittsburgh manager Clint Hurdle? He's very optimistic about this year. Okay, you don't have to put your you know head between your legs and kiss your butt goodbye because you might as well just enjoy the beautiful scenery of of uh, managing at PNC Park. Uh, at the end of the year, you know your team will have seventy one wins. But uh, you, at least you coach in a, in a city that doesn't care that you're not that good, mm-hmm. and you have one of the best ballparks in the in the city of uh, or in, in Major League Baseball, and you have one of the most historic franchises that's that good. nobody actually yeah, realizes. That's, that's not bad. It is an outstanding park. The city of Pittsburgh, arguably one of the most underrated cities there are. It's not just Steel Town and pollution folk. It's a beautiful city. The uh-huh. great tradition of the Pittsburgh Pirates. That, that's very well done, Big. Do they asked a 
Clint Hurdle, just to show you how optimistic this guy is, I think one of the reporters, a couple of the reporters said, you think you can contend this year? And his comment was, well, I didn't come here to contend for the National League. What are they in, the Central Division? Yeah, they're in the Cubs division, luckily, he, Coach. Yeah, well, Cubs. he said, I didn't come here to contend for the National League Central Division. I came here to win the World Series. That's our goal. I, I like to hear that. That's an optimist. That, that's, that's nice to hear. Yeah. But, if but I, don't, I really don't see it happening. <laughs> you don't? No, I, I don't. I okay. don't. Well, you maybe visit some of the opium fields that we were talking about earlier in the show, and uh, if I give you 15 minutes and you take a couple of breaths, you you might – Start to visualize it. Yeah, but I don't want to have to go back to that field afterwards. So I'm just going to stick to the fact that the Pirates are, uh, they could have, they could be improved. And that means they would finish in fifth place. Because, mm-hmm. uh, they're not better than the Reds, the Cubs, the Brewers. They're not better than any of those teams, yeah. coach. And I, I don't think they're better than the Cardinals, even though Wainwright's out. Yep. So the Pirates are going to be in the sixth place finish. Very hard for me to analyze because, uh, so many players have switched teams. I haven't gone over the rosters yet. As I told you yesterday, my baseball blood is not flowing yet. It's starting to kick in. Well, but I'm not trying to get forward. your blood boiling, Coach. I'm trying to. Well, I don't even want it to boil right now. I don't need it to boil baseball-wise. I'll wait till the end of March and start analyzing who's on whose team this year because every year it all switches around. But we might as well, well you know, enjoy baseball. You'll just have to ask me about that. Yes. You know, you'll just have to ask me well, around April 1st. That's why the two of us work so well together on the radio, Big Dog. We each have our... <laughs> particular specialties by the way enjoy the baseball season because there might not be well, we'll have football but it's looking more and more like we might not have professional football this year are you uh, aware that 11 o'clock tonight thursday night 11 o'clock is the collective bargaining agreement at 11 o'clock it officially goes for not and the lockout begins yeah and when that happens i'll probably be watching a replay of the of the giants versus the the mariners preseason baseball game Spring training game, so okay, I'm not going to get all worked up over that. Let bunch of millionaires and billionaires let them figure it out. I really could care less. Let, whenever they're done, I'll look at the deal. I'll make a decision who got who got the the short end of the stick, and then I'll move on. I, I'm not even worried about that one bit, coach. If we don't have NFL football, I'll figure out something else to do with my life on Sunday. I, I would second those opinions as long as we have high school and college football. Yeah, yeah. Um, football would still be being played, and that's yes. all that really matters, people. Are so you can't figure it out? Who cares? Are you uh, joshing or are you serious that you are actually watching Los Angeles Dodgers against Kansas City Royals exhibition baseball last night? No, no I, I uh, was on the Internet. I was writing some stuff up about baseball and uh, listening to that. So I, I can let Charlie Steiner's good. If you give me a good play-by-play guy, Coach, mm-hmm. I, I can put a game on in the room and pretty much do other things and actually watch the game. You know what I'm saying? It's okay. I, Baseball is just beautiful. I, I was worried you were flipping around, you know, channels on your TV, and you passed up the other 180 stations' possibilities and watching exhibition baseball from like 10:30 to 12 o'clock last night. No, no, I probably watched it from about 30 seconds after the end of the Bulls game till mm-hmm. about 12:30 in the morning. Beautiful. So about four hours, I get to that. Beautiful. All right, well, big doll, we got to uh, wrap it up. Next minute or two, any news and notes we did not get to right now? I know we're, you're not on the video screen, but I'm sure you've got seven or eight pages of pre-production notes that you have taken. Any items we, that we did not get to, my friend? Um, not yet, Coach. I have to admit, you, you, you like read my mind. Everything I want to talk about, we talk about. <laughs> you, you got a, you got a good like ex- that. Except the Northwestern sex scandal. 
Oh, I did not know I, about that. Your homework assignment for you. Research that, and I want to know your thoughts on it today. Yes, David Olson. Uh, quick note, a quick note uh, regarding the NFC North. Uh, with the release of A.J. Hawk and the re-signing of re, uh, A.J. Hawk, uh, all signs are pointing to that uh, Nick Barnett is going to be released shortly. Wow. Wow. Because I can't pay them both. Nick Barnett, big dog, available at your local superstar supermarket. Well, uh, there's a couple teams that can use a guy that's going to get a, 110 tackles a season. Nick Barnett should have kept his mouth shut during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Who's the kid? The the guy who filled in for him uh, played superbly yes. during the playoff run. What was his name? Uh, are you talking about Weldon? Not sure. Terry Weldon? No, no, Zombo. 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 That's yeah. my man. Brian Zombo? Yeah. yeah. I never heard of that dude before the playoffs started, but Brian Zombo was all good. Weldon was uh, was the other linebacker. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they had some really good feelings at linebacker when those guys went down. All right. As soon as the show's over, by the way, I'm going to watch a 45-second highlight tape of the Bulls' career of Khalid Al-Amin. Oh, it's, it's wonderful, Coach. It's, uh, his, <laughs> his introduction, he, he gets, and then his, him getting his ring, his college yes. ring at halftime yes. of one of the games is really good. It's very emotional. Yeah. All right. Big Dog, be safe out there. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Don't forget to look, uh, research the Northwestern story, and uh, we will talk about that tomorrow. I'd love to know your event, Tana. Well, I, I can't. I will research it. <laughs> I'm going to download it. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow, okay, dog? Later on, Coach. Later on, David. We appreciate everybody out there listening. We'll have more fun and games tomorrow and occasional sports talk as well. Uh, TalkZone.com, two guys at a mic, David Olson, our producer. Phenomenal job. See you tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.